0: walking into opening ceremonies as a black woman representing a Caribbean country and letting people know we're here. It doesn't matter what you throw our way. We don't need snow. We don't need anything. And you know what? My people are going to rise up after this because they saw me. They saw someone that looked like them.
1: Meet Jasmine Fenlator victorian In 2018, Jasmine and her teammate did something that no other women had done before. They competed in the bobsleigh at the Olympics for Jamaica.
0: That type of high, I I felt like a big boss. I was like, no one could touch me. <laughs> in, in, a, in a special way, though, I was like, no one is going to freaking take this away from me or anyone who needs to see me at all. I will push myself down the ice and drive scraping my butt down 80 miles per hour if I have to. That was kind of, I think, the biggest and one of the moments I, I cherish a lot. I get pretty emotional when I see it and remember the road that it was to be there and hopefully the road that's being paved by the future.
1: 30 years after the men's team inspired the film Cool Runnings, Jasmine put the women's team on the map. She wanted to show people across the world that they could change perceptions and inspire future generations. I'm Owen Blackhurst, and for Eurosport, this is RAW. Stories of determination, bravery and talent. Jasmine was born in 1985 and grew up in a town called Wayne in New Jersey. Wayne is a small, predominantly white town, 20 miles from the center of Manhattan.
0: At the house, you're you're your culture, but at school, you merge into this other idea of the all-American dream and things like that. So at home, it didn't matter. Like, my mom's white, my dad's black, but we didn't... Point at each other and say, You're the white one, you're the brown one, you're the black one, or anything like that. But I had kids starting, I want to say around seven, saying racial slurs to me. And I remember riding my bike and some kid riding his bike and spitting on me in my own yard and not understanding why he's spitting on me and calling me names or saying that I'm the color of poop. Like, who does that? <laughs> but those are the things that started to kind of bring wait, what's wrong with me or why are people poking fun and why am I getting picked on? So that's kind of how that started.
1: The cruelty of kids forced Jasmine to question her identity at an early age. But she had her mother to help navigate a complex world.
0: My mom has blonde hair and hazel eyes and I'm brown, dark brown hair brown eyes. And I'm looking at when the sun hits her skin, it's glowing and glistening and seeing shows on TV and even Barbies or dolls that don't look like me. And my mom from a young age has always been my idol, my superhero. So I want to be everything she is. And I remember saying, mommy, I want to hear like yours. What can we do? What can we do? And I have to give it up to my mom For the time period that she met my dad and the time period she grew up, got married and has a mixed child, not once did she, I guess, stumble on navigating that road. I remember this second grade, we're going over Abraham Lincoln, all of these things. And a teacher uses me as an example. Hey guys, Jasmine wouldn't be able to be in the class if these were these times. You know, people and slave owners used to abuse their people. Can you imagine if I had X, Y, Z things in here and if she did the same thing as you, she'd be beaten. So I'm going home telling my mom, guess what? If I were a slave, you couldn't be my mommy. And I remember my mom going down to the principal's office and raising hell. Susie Fenlator did not take crap from anyone. She still doesn't. And she's not going to allow someone to tell her child who they are.
1: Susie Fenlator sounds like the kind of person you want in your corner. And when you talk to Jasmine, you can see she possesses her mother's steel. Like any five-year-old, Jasmine had a lot of energy. She needed somewhere to channel it. So she threw herself into the world of dance.
0: I was super nervous because in my head, I'm used to dancing like in my underwear in my own house. (laughs) And now I have to (laughs) go in front of other people. And then of course I'm with people that don't look like me. So they're all wearing letards. And I have this curly mop on my head and I'm thicker, more muscular, already at a young age. I was very intimidated, but I fell in love with dance. Just being taught the choreography, the movement,
1: As she grew up, Jasmine competed in various forms of dance at a national level. But in her early teens, migrated to track and field. She remembers the first time her teacher asked her to throw the shot
0: put my teacher threw shot put and he saw that I was pretty powerful like doing the long jump and so he's like yeah uh throw the shot put I'm like all right I don't really this is awkward I don't know how to do it and I just like chucked it as hard as I could and his face I remember his face just dropped and everyone in the class was like oh she you know everyone's like ah and I'm just laughing and I was you know I felt proud I was like yeah I got you So then he said, hey, you should come out for track and field.
1: This natural aptitude for throwing events saw her smash high school records and get recruited to college as a multi-eventer. She broke records there too and became a Hall of Famer. In 2006, Jasmine attended an event that changed everything. The mix of athletics and dance had created a set of attributes perfect for an event that she had only ever really seen on a film. The mobile phone network Verizon were part of the sponsorship team for the upcoming Winter Olympics. And they'd sent out recruitment teams to look for potential athletes. They'd combine physical attributes and stats to see if there was an event that could work for them.
0: And she was like, man, she's way more exclusive, stronger than me. She's try out for bobsleigh. He said he started cracking up because all he thought is, she's Jamaican, she's going to think I'm pulling her leg. He did research, he asked her a bit more started talking to me about it and the Olympics. I was like, I am not trying to do winter sports. You are out of your mind. Despite her
1: initial lack of interest in the sport, Cool Runnings was an important film in Jasmine's house.
0: I'm a Jamaican citizen. My dad immigrated to the States. So Cool Runnings came out in 1994. And it was really one of the first times Caribbean people had a crossover major movie, because of course we have movies in the Caribbean, but for it to be a Disney movie highlighting our culture and then highlighting bobsleigh was pretty big. And I just remember watching with my dad, he's laughing at the accents and he's like, really resonated with how that movie presented Jamaican culture with the grit out of many, we are one people, it didn't matter, and then, Transitioning to kind of being in a white man's world and how you have to navigate speaking, how you have to navigate temperatures, culture, all of that stuff.
1: Jasmine emailed USA Bobsleigh to say maybe another time. And she got on with her life, graduated, got a job. And then months later, Team USA tried again.
0: I get an email. Hey, we have a tryout. I was like, what? And my mom was like, oh my gosh, do it, yeah, yeah. My dad all of a sudden is cracking jokes already, leaving eggs around the house. And I was like, no, I just I just put a down payment. First month, last month's rent for my apartment. I start work in like a few weeks. I gotta look at the dates.
1: Jasmine found the time. and In August 2007, she aced the tryouts and did not look back. After switching from brakeman to pilot, Jasmine started training with the USA's elite development team. Bobsleigh might have originally been invented by a wealthy hotelier to entertain his guests in the Alps, but it's also been a high-octane part of the Winter Olympics since the first event back in 1924. Jasmine found it exhilarating right from the start.
0: Bobsleigh, one of the most exciting events you'll ever see. You see, the start is clear. You hear a boop or doop. doo-op. With a roar, the teams go up one by one. Now it's time to push, and you have to push a 400-pound sled as fast as you can. Faster, faster. You just hear that tin sound like wah, 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 wah. Imagine speeding down a mile-long track on a frail steel bobsled. So you're like <laughs> <laughs> Your job now is to navigate a mile of ice in less than 60 seconds, basically going from zero to 90 miles per hour. They're
1: used to crashing a sound barrier. They're both jet pilots
0: in the course of that time, navigating through twists and turns with double pressures, six G-forces, and you memorize the track. Hurtling high against the steep banks. When it's super fast and the ice is really nice and smooth, you can actually hear the sled whistling from the speed. Good line there, through the dragon's tail. Your core is tense the whole time. You're just seeing like, like flashes, like (laughs) of the ice.
1: And it's easy on the brakes until the finish line is crossed
0: you get down low, you're even more tense, and then you get this weightless feeling and it's your whole life flashed before you and then it's over and you're like, what just happened? I'm psyched, but I'm like scared. I'm sore, but I'm like, pump, let's do it again. But at the same time, I need a nap. It's a rush that you can't really describe until you do it.
1: Jasmine won three medals at World Cups while training with the elite squad. And then came qualification for the 2014 Winter Olympics in Sochi. On the ice, things were going well. Off it, life was a struggle.
0: So I was in Lake Placid as a athlete at the Olympic training centre, getting like housing, food and my training paid for. But I was working in town to pay for equipment to bobsleigh. Experiencing that season was one of the hardest things of my life, emotionally, physically, mentally. It was grueling. My mom's health was getting really bad and all these other things. I was going for broke, basically. I was doing everything I could to not look back and say, dang, I wish I did this. And a lot of that meant sacrificing home time
1: all those years of grueling training came down to a final qualification race in St. Moritz, Switzerland. But there, Jasmine found out her mother was in an intensive care
0: unit. She told them not to tell me and she finally answers and she's got tubes and wires all hanging out of her. She barely can breathe. It was hard. So when I qualified for the Games, the relief, this is so huge, this is so amazing, I felt a relief. And then you have all these people who are like oh my my mom my sister my aunt's flying over this person they're all sacrificing they've been planning us they've been planning this and i was like alone like dead alone and no one understood how lonely that feels to reach this pinnacle and all you want to do is share it with the people that got you there that have been there since day one and you barely can get on the phone with them because they're so sick
1: you can only imagine how it felt to qualify and have nobody there to celebrate with but athletes have to get on with it they're representing a country in front of the world and on February the 7th 2014 Jasmine walked into the stadium wearing the stars and stripes you know what those opening ceremonies look like flags waving Cameras flashing and Jasmine, she's beaming.
0: Those Ralph Lauren sweaters were dope with the stars, the hat. And I got to meet all these amazing athletes that I four years ago was watching on the screen yelling at and seeing and hearing all the different stories of the Olympians. You have Polynesian nations. It just really humbles you and it, it puts you in a community where you don't feel alone.
1: Jasmine and her partner finished 11th in Sochi that year. And by the next season, she was ranked third in the world. But behind the scenes, Jasmine was not happy. So her husband suggested something needed to change.
0: I was like, I love this sport. What do you mean? I was super offended. And he's like, that's not what I'm saying. It just seems like, in a way, it's killing you. Like, what haven't you done that you keep pushing. And I said, uh, I want this, this, this. He goes, no, no. Like your legacy at the end of the day, what do you want people to say? And I said, I want people to know that no matter where they come from, no matter what circumstances they have, if they surround themselves with the right people and they put the work in and they're determined, even when people laugh in their face, that they can do it. They can make a statement. They can be the first, they could lead a generation. So he said, so why don't you go to Team Jamaica? (laughs) And once I started down that rabbit hole, it was like, do or die.
1: In terms of funding, equipment and experience, the Jamaican team was dwarfed by the USA. So Jasmine set about building it from the bottom up, even before she could officially race for them.
0: I actually paid for myself to travel around with the team would sleep on air mattresses wherever we could, sometimes couches. My husband traveled with me as well. We're making soup and literally running out of groceries, so just pouring more water to stretch the soup. I maxed out on my credit cards. I stopped paying my student loans. My credit score went down to like 300, and they basically were like, we're going to cease your assets. And I'm like, what assets? It's all in bobsleigh.
1: (laughs) For those first three years, Jasmine and her husband helped fund everything. Some of her teammates had never been in temperatures below 10 degrees or seen snow. By January 2018, the final qualifying races for the PyeongChang Winter Olympics arrived. Only a certain amount of the so-called smaller nations are given spots. It was not easy.
0: So it came down to... A last race, St. Moritz, Switzerland. I love that track, but based on weather, it's hit or miss. You can do really well or you can get the bad luck of the draw of where you are based on weather and drive really amazing, but not have the outcome. And I qualified and it was like, oh my gosh, we did it. So having that and the support of the, the locals We had some people drive from Germany to that race to show their support for us and just to help bring aid, whether they had product or they had resources for hotels that they can get us a discount. And a lot of those people were there for that, which was amazing.
1: Jamaica was heading out to the middle of the Korean mountains to face off against the greatest athletes in the world. It's some achievement, and as the Olympics got closer, the intensity on Jasmine and her teammates increased.
0: So now I'm the leader, I'm the veteran for my teammates. But it's very difficult, especially for my teammates who've been away from the island like seven months. You can't get your Aki and saltfish. You can't get those home foods that just bring comfort when you're not feeling well or when you're down. So, finding those, navigating that, navigating training, When it was just this thing of navigating our place.
1: At the Olympics that year, under 2% of the athletes were black. Jasmine was again in a place where she felt that nobody really looked like her. In a press conference before the games, she delivered a beautiful and moving monologue.
0: So all these press conferences, my emotions are building to try and hold it together. I'm the veteran and trying to learn my lesson of managing my emotions from the first games as well. I thought I was staying composed. I was trying to be to the point and direct with my answers, but honest. And one of the interviewers knew me from being on Team USA. So she hit some, she hit a question of like, so why? Like, we've never really heard why you transitioned. And I'm so proud of you. And it's amazing to see you qualify. But can you tell us more? And I sat there and I was like, ooh, do I say these things? Do I open up? And my decision was to utilize my platform in more of a positive way. So let me try and inspire the next generation and tell them why. Because I didn't see a lot of kids look like me on the Olympic stage in certain sports. And the Jamaican culture has such grit and such amazing athletes that still use outhouses. And they're freaking probably top 10 in the world they would crush so many things in the Olympics, but they don't know that that's possible. And how about the mixed kids, kids that grew up like me having to try and choose? I just got really emotional thinking about it and thinking about the journey, thinking about the people that helped me and thinking about the people that hopefully can see me and soar past everything that I'm doing.
1: On the night of the opening ceremony, chill drove the temperature down to minus 30. But Jasmine and the team didn't care. They just danced out into the frozen night. Well, Jamaica are back 30 years after the nation made its first Olympic winter appearance in Calgary 1988 with a four-man bobsleigh team
0: whose story inspired the film Cool Runnings. We're actually singing while we're walking in, singing some Jamaican dance hall. And then to see our staff who's from the UK, from Germany, they all start chiming in on the dance. To me, that was the epitome of the Olympic movement, the epitome of Mm. um, Jamaica's national quote of out of many, one people. They return with three bobsledders and one skeleton athlete, the bobsled driven by that woman, Jasmine Fenley
1: to Victorian.
0: Our gear on the other hand, we had to go shopping in South Korea for jackets and snow pants and gloves and hats because our sponsor, which was Puma, is normally for summer. And so they did not allot winter budget or winter gear until they knew we qualified. Well, we qualified less than three weeks before opening ceremonies. So a lot of the gear they had was just like all black. so they were like stitching the flag on we were kind of like oh I guess we'll throw this together
1: and that was the least of their worries under a week before the first race everything was in jeopardy the team's German coach left and reportedly claimed ownership of the Jamaican sled the team were just days away from making history but now their participation was under threat all those years of graft about to melt away Bobsleigh's cost around £40,000. The team didn't have that kind of cash. But when all seemed lost, help came in the form of an iconic Jamaican beer company. Stripe had heard about the sled being taken and they stepped in and donated the money. The team called it Mr Cool Bolt.
0: It's crazy to see all the trials and tribulations that that team has gone through. A lot of times history was repeating itself with funding issues, with coaching issues, with equipment issues, but we kept persevering for 30 years. And in that games, we made history by having a skeleton athlete for the first time compete and a women's team.
1: By race day, the team's defiance in the face of continued adversity had inspired global support fans in the crowd held flags that were half Jamaican and half their countries. The internet was alive with Jamaican bobsleigh hashtags, and Usain Bolt got in on the act. Next up for Jamaica, Jasmine Fenlay to Victorian, with Carrie Russell
0: behind her. Yeah, that was a beautiful exit nine. Really nice line into 12. It's just been a kind of makes it through nine, pretty much as good as you could ask for. Kips the level line in 12, but a little bit of a hit there into 13.
1: The needle beautifully. on the ice mechanical issues meant the Jamaican times were disappointing Jasmine and Carrie finished 18th but it wasn't really about time it was about identity and they put their names on the map and celebrated their identity in front of millions how about that it's the Olympics at its very very best Ben later says she and Carrie Russell have dug up the road for young girls to follow
0: I think it's really great. You know, Jamaica is such a rich, has a rich history of sprinting, and that's a really natural fit into bobsled and path. So hopefully maybe this does mean a future for more Jamaican bobsled teams.
1: You're looking at the first women's bobsled team from Jamaica. Seems crazy, doesn't you think it's the first of many.
0: I was so proud because of a few things. It was 30 years, literally the exact 30 years after the original team. So although our men didn't qualify, in retrospect, we took steps forward. We made something blossom out of 1988, this dream of a few military guys and one track and field guy to qualify in a games in one season to blossoming into having a a delegation now, not just people show up. And it was just so amazing to see the support internationally, to see them welcome us um, with open arms. We had Koreans that were holding flags that were Korea and Jamaica. We had Russians with a Russian flag and Jamaica. And there was this whole duality of having their nation and then having a Jamaica flag out of nowhere.
1: Financially, mentally and physically, Jasmine was exhausted. She took a couple of years off, but has recently been back in training and in February, finished second in the World Monobob Series, a new one-person event added to the Olympic programme for Beijing 2022. Last summer, deeply affected by the Black Lives Matter protests, Jasmine wrote a letter to a younger self. She has spent a lifetime understanding... And celebrating her identity. And when she started, it all poured out.
0: I didn't realize how much it was affecting me. I was waking up pretty much depressed, just down, unmotivated, wanting to talk about it and start conversations with people, but not knowing how it would come across, because it could always come across as not again, a race thing. Oh my gosh, are we over this? No, we're clearly not (laughs) over it. We're clearly not making a change fast enough. And it was just really hitting home, especially. I was scared to drive to the grocery store. Every time I saw a cop, I just turned the other way. I was literally scared for my life. I was taking my car to get fixed to make sure the lights worked and all the time and just paranoia. And then I just started. I was just like, whoa, what would I tell myself? What was I telling other Black girls and boys and non-binary and gay lesbian and the Black community, LBGTQ, what was I telling them at the Olympics when I got emotional? So I rewatched it and it kind of ignited the letter. And I was like, man, I grew up so fortunate for my mom to tell me how amazingly beautiful and unique I was and to embrace my bronze skin, my curly hair, my thin but big nose and big lips and voluptuous curves and power, my intellect. And not not many people get to hear that on a regular basis and they don't know. So I was trying to have people who don't understand where I'm coming from and where the other black and brown community, people of color come from, them reading a letter to kind of resonate what it would be like why I was doing it and then for those who never heard it before you're freaking beautiful you're amazing I love your dark skin I love all shades of your dark skin I love your pigmentation I love this you're amazing it's it's you love you and that was kind of why that came about it was therapeutic for me but also a way for me to speak on my platform and hopefully raise awareness and start a conversation
1: Raw, Stories of Bravery, Determination and Talent, is an original Eurosport series produced by Mundial Studio. The narrator and story editor is me, Owen Blackhurst. The writer and producer is James Bird. And the executive producers are Tyler Papula and Seb White. The assistant producer is Chris Byfield. For Eurosport, the commissioning editor is Mark Asian, And the executive producer is Ian Brackley. Archive from Eurosport. Original music composed by Harry Harris.